Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I was just saying this guest is a dream guest of mine. I have followed her from the beginning of her career. I Some of her books are some of my all-time favorite thriller reads, and she was on my dream list of guests. So to have her here today is so incredible. And we're going to chat about her solo career, but we're also here to chat about this amazing compilation of 12 short stories um, about Miss Marple, who is a literary icon. Um, so I am so happy to welcome Ruth Ware to Books Are Chic. Hi, Ruth. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I feel slightly chica just by being here. <laughs> I'm so, I mean, I feel, I'm like elevated, more chic, Ruth Ware, like you are like thriller chic at its finest. So I am so excited. And like I was saying, I think it's so incredible that this book, Marple, is out and it is this compilation and you are so fabulous and Agatha was so fabulous. So it's like two amazing worlds colliding. It was such a treat to be asked to be part of it. I, you know, it was really was one of those kind of pinch yourself moments where I had to read the email twice and go, do they mean me? <laughs> I mean, when I saw the roster, I, I had seen something about this book coming out and I saw the roster of the 12 authors involved. And I'm like, this is like the perfect selection of people to give this sort of updated vibe to Marple. And all of the stories are so different, but so Agatha essenced, if you will. Like you can just get the old school vibe. But um I just I just I finished it in record time because I just couldn't get enough of it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. When I saw the, you know, the other authors who were taking part, I it's just it's such a dream lineup. You know, it's so many of my own favorite reads and you know, people whose work I really admire. And, you know, like you say, everybody's tackled it really differently. But I think what's lovely is that when you read the collection as a whole, it really does work as a whole. You know, there's a kind of theme running through it. It's really it's been really it's come together wonderfully. Yes. And I love your story in the collection is Miss Marple's Christmas, which even if you did, if I read it and didn't know who wrote it, I would be like this. It was so fun. It was like the perfect mystery with like, I felt like I was sitting in like this fancy British home around the holidays and you just get this such a fun vibe from from your story. But before we sort of get into like your lineage with Agatha and, and and how, you know, you were such a fan, give us a little bit, because I don't really know how you just got started in writing in the first place. Well, I, I'd always written um, right from when I was a little girl, you know, and sort of started off writing little short stories and, you know, plays for my cousins to perform. And they just got stories just got longer and longer until eventually I was kind of writing basically full-length books I would hesitate to call them books so let's just say full-length stories um but they was you know they were very heavily influenced by whatever I was into in that particular month so there was like my Ursula Le Guin phase and my sort of you know John Wyndham phase and my Diana Wynne-Jones phase and then it sort of you know got into more kind of adult literary fiction I guess um but I'd never written a crime novel um in spite of loving 
crime thrillers growing up and and still today um and then a friend it was a friend who suggested to me the idea of uh, well she said that she'd never read a thriller set on a hen night and as soon as she said it I was like oh I really want to write that book and that became In a Dark Dark Wood so I owe her many drinks <laughs> so In a Dark Dark Wood is one of my all-time favorite thrillers and that was where I didn't realize it was called a hen for a bachelorette party that we would call over here in the states um but that was like I feel like a lot of other authors have sort of done that now like have taken that idea which is an amazing idea because so many things could go wrong during a good bad ugly whatever but I remember reading that book and I was just like this is it was just something I'd never read before and I've read a lot of books and I just was like this is an idea that is so incredible but also like totally terrifying and so creepy and it was so atmospheric and you were like in this cabin like what is going on here so who I'm so glad so much fun and totally terrifying is exactly what I was going for so thank you (laughs) yeah yes it was totally terrifying but I'm so glad that you that seed was planted and you embarked on writing that book because it was so good. And then you've just basically written a thriller a year at this point, right? Or since in, in a dark, dark wood? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I had a year off it. Well, not a year off, sadly. Um, in 2020, I did not write a book because uh, of uh, people may remember there was quite a lot going on that year. And those of us with kids suddenly found ourselves, you know, doing uh, homeschooling, which it turns out uh, I, there's a reason I didn't become a teacher. And uh, I think uh, my kids would concur with that. We were none of us enjoyed that experience. Um so yeah, I did. You know, I didn't write anything that year, um, mainly because I just didn't have the time. But partly just because there was, I don't know, COVID sort of didn't feel like it left much headspace for anything else. Um, but actually, the Miss Marple story was one of the few things I did write that year. So that was very lo- lovely to have, um, you know, something else to think about. Um, but yeah, that was so. so t- because I write a book in the year before it comes out, 2021 was the first year that I didn't have a book out. Uh, So yeah, it was a funny experience. (laughs) I mean, I agree. I have small kids too. And there was no, it was just like, what is going on? You sort of felt like you were walking in like, you know, a a fog every day. Cause you're like, is this really happening? But also like, it is happening. My kids are here. Like it was, yeah, it a was lot. a whole thing, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a whole thing. So, um, but how do you, aside from, like you said, your friend had mentioned the idea about that, you know, a thriller about a hen, how do you get your ideas? Because your books, I feel like setting always, you know, is a huge role, but they're always just so clever and they definitely have like a Christie vibe to them where you're sort of just, I'm always filing characters, situations to sort of put together this this puzzle of a mystery. But um, I would just love to know how you sort of brainstorm. I wish I knew every single book <laughs> when I start to you know, start a new project, I sit down and think, oh, how do I do this again? Maybe someone could remind me. So, um, yeah, I wish I had like a sort of a, a, a more coherent answer. Um, the truth is I generally start off with some kind of what if, um, you know, and the what if for 
in a dark dark wood was really simple it was you know what if there was a murder on a hen night like that's very easy to sum up um you know the what if uh the woman in cabin 10 i guess was like what if you saw a murder and nobody believed you like how would that make you feel how would you react um and the what if uh, my most recent book um the it girl i guess um sprang out of my experience doing jury service um and I was really bothered by the whole experience and how I just, you know, kept thinking about how incredibly difficult it must be to be a defendant or, um, you know, a victim in the system or someone who was called to give evidence. And I guess the most horrific what if for me in that scenario would be like, what if you gave evidence in a trial and the person was convicted and it turned out that you had made a mistake like I just don't think I would be able to live with myself in that scenario so that that was the what if for that but in terms of the kind of the Christie-ish influences that was something that really um surprised me in a way like when I wrote In a Dark Dark Wood I thought I was writing a pretty straight up psychological thriller I was you know mm. I was trying to write in that vein um, and it was only I handed it into my agent and she read it and she said, gosh, it's very like, you know, it's like a modern day Agatha Christie. And at the time, I kind of thought, huh, I do not see that. I think that's just, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I took it as a compliment, but I I couldn't see it myself. And I thought that's just her. Um, and but then when the reviews came out, people started to say the same thing and, and the comparison sort of kept coming. And actually now with hindsight, I can totally see it. I can see I think I just, you know, I read so much Christie growing up. I think it just sort of imprinted on me the idea of what a perfect crime novel looks like in terms of, you know, the shape of the plot, the pieces falling into place, the game that the author is playing all the time with the reader in terms of giving them enough information to solve the crime but you know not enough information so that it's a slam dunk and I, I think all of that is what I try to do in my books you know I really want people to feel like when the solution is presented to them I want them to feel like of course you know I should have got it I should have guessed who the killer was I should have figured this out um, and hopefully I fooled them some of the time I didn't you can't fool all of the people all of the time so I've made my peace with that um but yeah I think fund you know fundamentally although our characters are very different and the subject matter that we deal with is often very different the kind of pleasures that I am trying to provide to readers in my books are not that different from what Agatha Christie was trying to do with her readers I think no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think there is so much, um, obviously her books were from a different time period. So when you read them, it's, you know, different, um, dialogue and stuff like that, but you know, that's always the fun of it. Like you have to think you have to bring yourself back to those days. It's really fun. Um, but I agree just the game that you play and it's, so fun to be invested in your novels but like you know sometimes you're really scared <laughs> which I which yes. is what you which is we what you both. really want <laughs> um but what once you get an idea what sort of like how do you sort of plot it out are do you already know everything in advance like do you take extensive notes like what type of writer are you um, I don't generally plot in huge detail. I almost always know who did it and why, um, partly because I think the kind of books that I write 
I want the reader to, you know, to have a fair chance at guessing the outcome. And the only way I can give them that chance is to drop sufficient clues in. And the only way I can drop those clues is if I know what the solution is. So I almost always know what the kind of the, the key solution to the mystery is right from the start. Um, otherwise, I tend to think about the characters a lot before I begin. I'm, I'm usually thinking about a book sort of as I come to the end of one book and start editing it, I start to think about, you know, maybe what I might write next, how that might look, what the characters might be, what the setting might be like. But I don't I don't typically write a whole lot down. Um, I sort of have faith that if an idea is a good one, it'll stick. And if mm -hmm. I forget it, it's probably because it wasn't that gripping in the first place. So I kind of rely on my memory as a sort of automatic triage system that kind of filters out the good stuff and and, and yeah loses the bad stuff that's my hope anyway and there is always that fear of maybe I, you know maybe that idea that I forgot was a really cracking one but <laughs> well it's working well it's working really well and I want to mention too that the lying game was a Reese Witherspoon pick and like I mentioned to you before it was the third pick out of all of her picks now she has years of picks you know monthly picks and she picked the lying game as her third pick which I feel like her book club obviously took off when you know she started it but that you were like part of the OG crew and you mentioned that she was like influencing your prior books before the book club was even like a thing she did in yeah, a dark she's... dark wood yeah she's always been incredibly generous about you know shouting out to authors on her social media and stuff and even before um the book club was like a kind of formal thing she was you know saying on her twitter and on instagram you know oh i've read this book you should read this and she's recommended some amazing reads over the years and yeah in, in a dot dot wood i was lucky enough that she i think she tweeted about it um and said she found it really scary which was just like oh my god i can't believe reese witherspoon's tweeting about my book <laughs> how did you feel when they when they like broke the news to you that you were going to be an official selection Oh, I mean, yeah, so, so, so happy. And I didn't really understand at the time that the that the book club had become more of an official thing because I sort mm -hmm. of knew that she had tweeted about my books in the past. But then, um, yeah, my I think it was my editor came to me and said, yeah, you know, it's been selected. And I was like, what? This is like a, a whole thing now? <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I loved that you got selected because like I said, I've been a fan of yours since day one. And I was like, yes, she absolutely should be a pick. Everybody should be reading Ruth's books. Like I can't, there's not, there's not one I can pick as my favorite, maybe in a dark, dark wood, but they're all just so good and so different. And it's like, you know, there's just certain authors that you're like awaiting their their release. Like, what's the new book gonna be? And then it's like, you know, Christmas. Oh, <laughs> for, that's so for us readers. <laughs> I think the nicest thing about being part of Reese's Book Club for me is just that I love her reading taste. I don't think I've ever read one of her books, one as in one of the books she has recommended that I didn't really enjoy. And so that just felt like the ultimate compliment, you know, like when someone whose judgment you really trust chooses that compliments your book, it just means so much more than, you know, doesn't matter how fancy a critic is or whatever. What, what it's like, you know, finding a friend who, who, you know, you can trust when they say a book is great. You'll be like, Oh, of course, if you know, if so-and-so says it's great, it definitely will be. And I feel like that about Reese's um, picks. So yeah. So that, that, I think that was what really made it 
like triply special for me yeah I agree I agree she well she feels like a friend to all of us especially if you're a reader you're, it's the same thing you're like awaiting her pick because you're like I need to go get this book you know yeah, as soon I as I want to see what Reese has picked <laughs> yes um okay so you're gonna your approach to do this this Marple um compilation and first I want to ask you like do you remember what the first Agatha Christie book was that you read or do you have a favorite I don't remember which the first one was that I read. And actually, I think it might have even been that I encountered her books via TV before I read them because, mm-hmm. um, like, the early Poirots and Marples, the David Suchet ones and the Joan Hickson ones were just required viewing in my house. And I can remember, like, you know, watching them on a Sunday night, doing my homework in front of the telly with it on in the background. So I I can't be sure, but I think it's possible I would have seen one of those before I picked up a book. Um, But I think if I had to pick, I don't know, picking a favourite is so, so difficult. Um, If I had to pick a favourite Marple, it might possibly be nemesis um just because I think she writes so movingly in that about Jane getting old and there's actually Mm -hmm. not a huge amount in fiction overall not just crime fiction about being what it is to be elderly what it is to grow old what it is to contend with a failing body and she just writes really beautifully about that about Jane looking her own mortality in the eye and realizing that she's not as tough anymore she's not as quick anymore she can't rely on herself um and I you know I think we need more of that in fiction and and she does it fantastically um oh if I had to pick one overall I guess it might be and then there were none just because it's so fantastically well plotted yeah yeah I love that one too um and I, I don't know if I've read Nemesis, so I have to go back. I have them all, so I'm going to pull that one out because, yeah, I agree. I don't think there is a lot of discussion around that or character. And especially with Marple, you can really start from the beginning. And then as a reader, like that's so satisfying, I feel like, because then you're seeing somebody who's lived through all these books and, and you know, Agatha obviously saw that, that you know, that's so important to just age through the books you know what I mean so um so I have to move that to the top of to the top of my list um so when you were approached did you have like creative flexibility on like why did you pick a Christmas a Christmas short story because I love that or did they sort of say here's some choices and and go with it it was pretty much free reign we were given some guidelines so there were a few rules like we weren't allowed to um in have crossover so we weren't allowed to like have miss marple meet poirot for example mm-hmm. um they didn't want us to go into periods of life that agatha christie hadn't written about so you know we couldn't do like jane's childhood or something like that uh they didn't want us to introduce a love interest which i really appreciated because it's one of the things that annoys me about the tv adaptations is that they always have to come up with a reason why she's single you know there's always some mm-hmm. tragic backstory or something and i love that Christie's completely unapologetic about that she just like Jane Marple is a single older woman and there's you know there's no need for us to know why or to come up with some you know dark psychological reason it's just she is what she is 
So I really, I enjoyed all of that. They asked if we would try to incorporate a horticultural element um, to kind of tie the stories together. Um, and, you know, Miss Marple is so keen on gardening and that is often a theme in her stories and books. Mm -hmm. So that felt very right. Um, and then beyond that, we could pretty much do whatever we wanted. We could write it from Miss Marple's point of view. We could introduce another character and have her as a sidekick or, you know, whatever we wanted, that was pretty much okay. Um, and I have always felt really aggrieved that um, Poirot has not one but two Christmas stories. He has a novel and a short story. Yeah. Um, while Miss Marple doesn't really have a Christmas story, she has a sort of slightly sad one where um, a, a woman is out Christmas shopping for her husband. Uh, she's trying to buy him a present and she's killed in a hotel. But it's not really about Christmas. It doesn't feel Christmassy other than the fact that this is the reason why she was shopping. So I and I thought this might be a popular choice. So I got in there, I literally like almost replied like by the second I got the email, I was like, I want to do Christmas. Um, and the editor said, well, you know, no, you're the first. So yes, you can have Christmas. And I believe I did hear from a few of the other authors there like oh you nabbed Christmas um but I also thought that you know Christmas would enable me to kind of you know talk about the holly and the mistletoe and the Christmas tree you know there was a lot of easy stuff to weave in about you know the horticultural element because I am not a gardener uh, so I didn't really trust myself to go down the whole sort of you know the clue of the thornless rose type thing um so yes yeah, so that so I I pretty much said I want to do Miss Marple at Christmas and they said great you, you can do that. So I went off and I wrote um, a story set in St. Mary Mead. And um, it was really interesting how the other authors interpreted it, because some people very much took Miss Marple out of her element. There's um, a lovely one by Jean Kwok, where she takes her on um, a sea voyage um, on the Jade Empress um, in the Far East. And it, it's, it's Miss Marple has a wonderful time. It's beautifully evoked. Um, and then I think it's Alyssa Cole's one. Uh, she takes her to Manhattan. Uh, so a lot of the stories, it was a chance for the authors to introduce Miss Marple into um, a new environment. Dreda Say Mitchell's one, uh, she takes her to the Caribbean, which obviously Christy did cover in a Caribbean mystery, but this is another island, a different one to St. Honoré. Um, I decided to go very much the other route. I plunged headfirst into St. Mary Mead, which um, did entail a lot of checking and cross-checking and googling and searching all of my old editions to make sure that you know I had the period appropriate butcher slash you know that Christy is very good at um introducing all of the sort of bit part players in St Mary Meat which is wonderful because you have that cast already but also a bit of a curse for anyone trying to follow in her footsteps because like the taxi driver in St Mary Mead changes about five times over the course of the books and so I, I had to do a lot of well if this is set in 1932 then the taxi driver would be inch but if it's so yeah <laughs> I mean it I felt like it was reading like she wrote it. So I think all of your cross-checking, referencing, researching, you nailed it. But I didn't actually realize until you just said it, because I know the the Hercules Perot that he does have to the like I have the Christmas actual whole book that she didn't have um a Christmas like a, a straight Christmas story. A proper, um, yeah. like a proper one. So I love that you picked that, but it did it felt 
like old to me. It felt festive. Like, I feel like you should be reading it in front of a fire with like eggnog or something. Like, I just felt like it was, but so with your voice of contemporary thrills, like where did this go? Who's involved? Who are the players? So I feel like it was an A++ all oh, thank you. <laughs> well, the whole sort of Christmas atmosphere thing was um, very easy in a way because Christy herself was a huge devotee of Christmas and wrote a wonderful essay about why she loved Christmas and the Christmases of her childhood, um, which I had read. So that was immediately you know, a bucket load of inspiration and details right there, you know, not one turkey, but two, one roast and one boiled and a sirloin and a ham. So I sort of shamelessly cribbed from Christie's essay, you know, about all the things that she loved about Christmas to put to give to Miss Marple instead. <laughs> I love that. I and I had I I'm I'll have to look that up because I didn't know I didn't know she was such like a Christmas fan. Um have you ever been being over in in England have you ever been to any like landmarks of hers or places that were inspired you know in her books or no, well I've been to um Bear Island which is um an island just off the coast of uh Devon which is where and then there were none is set and also um I think it's Evil Under the Sun um, is set there as well. There's a, um, a hotel on the island. Um, it's very different from both of those. You can sort of see that Christy took completely different aspects of the island mm -hmm. for each each novel. But allegedly she wrote both books there or parts of them there. And you can see the, the sort of the clear influences. So I've been there. It's wonderful. I would highly encourage. It's very expensive to stay there. It's like a super luxe hotel, but you can go over... They have an amazing sea tractor, which are like draw. It's actually featured in some of the films um, about, and then there were none. Um, but you can drive over on through the waves, and um, you can have afternoon tea or cocktails on the island. So uh, if you're ever in the area, I would encourage that. Um, the one place that I've never managed to go and I've always wanted is um, Greenaway um, or Greenway Agatha Christie's own house, and I was invited to speak there at an Agatha Christie <laughs> festival um in 2020 and then covid came along oh, so no. that's my the one that got away i keep hoping that they'll reinvite me so if anyone from uh, greenway is listening <laughs> to the podcast i'm ready to come back please reinvite me <laughs> they will reinvite i mean you're you're doing that that's i can already like envision that in something that needs to happen in your i'm sending your it up to the universe <laughs> yes we're inviting that into the universe um and I was just noticing that the, the cover of Marple is so beautiful. And I didn't even realize it did like all of your names are on leaves with these roses and the roses are so beautiful, but they're thorny. So it gives that like little bit of thrill vibe to it. And I just remember when they did the cover and the and the UK cover is different because it's white, which is beautiful yeah. too um they just nailed it I mean it's such a great this is like the perfect book for a gift for a holiday gift because like you're just it's you're getting all these amazing stories by amazing authors um so I can't I can't recommend it enough and I was gonna ask you out of your solo books is do you have a favorite out of those that you've written or are they all 
your favorites and different no, it's like being asked who's your favorite kid um I mean obviously there's specific things that I love about all of them in a dot dot wood will always be like you know my first it'll be yeah. the one that you know opened so many doors for me so that's always close to my heart um but I guess you know the one that you published most recently is always your baby it's the one that you know you feel most kind of <gasps> about because it's you know all new and it hasn't quite established its place in the world so um yeah if I had to pick two it would probably be in a dot dot wood and um the it girl which is the most recently published one um but of course the other one that is always very very close to your heart as a writer is the one that you're writing right now because that's still you know full of possibility anything could happen so yeah so you're working on your solo book that will come out in 2023 or four uh 2023 yeah had to I had okay. to think about that <laughs> I think it's yeah it is <laughs> can you share anything about it or is it still early it's still quite early um but uh I have a title it's called okay. Zero Days and um it's about a woman who comes home from work to find her husband has been murdered and she is suspected of his killing so okay I mean like I said, we'll just be counting the days down for that. I mean, we just have Thank to Thank you. Well, it's a bit waiting. more of a straight thriller. It is still a whodunit, but it's more, it's got more thriller elements than some of my other I books. Love so I love it. A little bit of a, yeah. I love it. And the It Girl's out now. Marple's out now, so everyone can get both of those. And honestly, if you have not, like, you just have to start with your first one and read them all. I, that's all I can say to people. That's the best advice I can give. I Thank just, you. you just I, gotta, think, uh, I agree with this advice. <laughs> <laughs> just got to jump in. Okay. Now I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this is the chic list, Ruth, and you're going to give us your answers. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say because I feel like you're, I almost feel like you're Reese. Like if you put up a book that you were reading, I think I would automatically want to read it and buy it. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Okay. First up, what three celebrities, authors, figures, living or dead, would you want to have a book club with? Oh, I really, really struggled with this. I started off thinking of like celebrities and then I thought yeah, but I would be really intimidated. And then I thought maybe authors. Um, so I thought um, I have to say Agatha Christie because, you know, that's who we're talking about today. So I definitely want her to come. Um, I think Nancy Mitford would be really, really funny. Um, I don't know if anybody's read The Pursuit of Love um, or Love in a Cold Climate. They're both hilarious, very sad, um, but just kind of I guess she's sort of a bit like Britain's Dorothy Parker, but less waspish, maybe. Um, and then for the final one, I thought you really need someone who vehemently disagrees with everybody in a book club because a little bit of conflict is what makes it fun. So I thought maybe someone like George Orwell, because oh. he would no doubt go through <laughs> and be like, this is all bourgeois nonsense. So, yeah, that's going to be my picks. <laughs> I love that. You're right. That's a perfect mix of everything that you need. Um, your current binge series, what you're watching uh oh what I'm watching um I I don't I haven't really been binging very much recently um I started watching House of the Dragon um but I haven't been kind of completely swept away with it um I when I read this question I assumed it was um referring to uh book a book series and I am very late to the Jack Reacher books um I I only started reading them fairly recently and oh my goodness I can see what everyone has been on about all these many many years because they're 
really, really addictive. And it's really easy. You just kind of sink in and let yourself on the ride with Jack. So uh, I haven't watched the TV series. I always prefer to read the books before I kind of overwrite my mouth imagination with the with the, the tv version um so yeah so maybe that will be my next tv binge <laughs> i love that a book tv combo i love that okay last here's a book question last favorite book and current read oh okay so i'm currently reading this is an annoying one because it's not out yet which is always the problem with being a writer is you get sent books before they're published yeah uh, but i'm reading the close by jane casey um she has a long-running um uh kind of duo in her books um josh and mave he's like a police inspector and she's like a sort of up and coming i think she's a constable in this um and uh, they are on a stakeout in a, a heat wave and it's very sultry. It's very good. And um, sorry, what was the other question? That's my current um, read. That's your current read and your last favorite book. Oh, oh, okay. That's going to be very difficult. Favorite books, really. I loved um, The Confessions of Franny Langton, um, which Ooh. I read, uh, I guess, like would have been during the pandemic so probably a couple of years ago and I still think about that book sometimes it really kind of imprinted itself on my imagination oh I don't know that one see now I have now I can go look and I can it's historical fiction um but it's really gripping and I don't know why I'm saying but like historical fiction clearly can be it is it's historical fiction and also really gripping (laughs) and who are some this is just like a bonus question because I'm just curious for my own um selfishness but who are some of your just like all like you're just an auto buy for me like who are some of your auto buy authors um I would say probably Taylor Jenkins Reid. I really like everything that she brings out. Erin um, Kelly, I always love her books. She does very different things every single time. And each time I feel like she's kind of reinventing the wheel and doing something totally different to what she did before. So her books are always really unexpected. Uh, yeah, I, I would say both of those definitely. Love. I love those. I love them both too. Um, okay. Describe your writing space. Um, it's a, actually our spare bedroom. So it has uh, this sofa that I'm sitting on right now uh, is also a sofa bed. Uh, so I have to clear out every time we have guests, um, but it's like <laughs> a little book lined room um, with two little windows. They overlook uh, the trees. So I don't get distracted by anything too exciting out of the window. It's a nice soothing view. And the walls are covered in um, like framed prints, drawings my kids have done. Um, and also my American publisher, very sweetly, whenever a book gets on the bestseller list, sends me like a framed copy of the bestseller list. So I have those for all of my oh. books. And it, it, I look at them when, you know, I'm feeling particularly down about whatever I'm currently working on and think, I've done it once. I'm sure <laughs> I can do it again. <laughs> I love that. It looks very cozy in there. It is, yeah. It's a nice um, Yeah. Um, name something chic. Uh, well, I feel like I should say books, uh, but I'm sure everybody says that. So I'm going to say a single raised eyebrow. Ooh. No also because I can't that. raise... I can't raise only one eyebrow. So that's my dream to be able to raise one eyebrow sardonically. (laughs) I can't either. I can't do that either. And no one said that, but that's really good. Um, Do you have a favorite book that you gift? 
Um, I guess the book that I probably gift most often uh, might be The Hair with Amber Eyes by Edmund Duval, um, which is, uh, it's nonfiction and it's an account of his um, sort of family history through a collection of netsuke, which are, you know, like those tiny little Japanese ornaments. They're like toggles that you tie onto a sash. Um, and it's just really heartbreaking. Um, it's all about his family was Jewish and it takes in the whole of the kind of the 20th century in Europe. They start off in Austria and go escape the Nazis. Um, and it taught me an awful lot about Netsuke, which I knew nothing about before I started the book. So, yeah, I often give that to people. I feel like it ticks a lot of boxes. It's both a beautiful story, a, a lovely memoir. It's interesting if you're into art. It's interesting if you're into history. So it works for a lot of people. Okay, wow. That sounds interesting. Um, if you could have one song as the theme song of your life, what would it be and why? Um, I can't, I don't think I can answer this. Um, I was thinking about this and trying to think what I would pick. And then I realized like whatever I picked, if it was a cheerful song, then it would when something awful happened it would just be like the worst to have this like really chirpy song and if it was a depressing song then it would just bum me out every time something nice <laughs> happened so uh, I'm I'm gonna decline to answer that one <laughs> okay that's 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 fair enough I get that um must have beauty item um probably and I put this in the woman in cabin 10 um my Maybelline mascara, which um, I travel with everywhere. And it's just the best mascara. It is. It's such a, it's like bang for your buck. It's like the, a perfect staple. It yeah. So it's well. like $3.99. Yes. And it's a great mascara. What's not to like? <laughs> and it's been around forever and it still holds. So it's like, yeah. that's an iconic beauty item. Um, If you could name one lipstick after a book, what would you call it? And what shade would it be? Um, so I was thinking about this and um, in the It Girl, um, there is a Chantecaille lipstick, which has a sort of, it's not like a key plot point, but it, it appears more than once in the book and becomes a bit of a totem for uh, the main character. And the, the girl in that book who dies is called April. Um, so I would, I would ask to rename a Scarlet Chantecaille lipstick as April in Paris. <gasps> I love that. Oh, see, sometimes there's just some names for lipsticks and they just fit so well, like aligned with the book that it's like, I just, we want, I want it. I want that lipstick. Okay. And last question, best advice you've ever received? Um, Best writing advice or best life advice in general? Both. Or either. Uh, I would, I would guess, and actually this probably applies to writing as well. Um, I think, um, probably my mum told me she said never trust a man who says trust me and I think that's really good life advice anybody who has to tell you to trust them is probably you know like if you can't trust them in the first place then you probably shouldn't change your mind on that Uh, but it's also a great thing to remember if you write books like I do where people are fundamentally untrustworthy yes I love that so much oh my gosh your mom was on the on the nose with that one well I this has been so fun like I feel like I could keep you here all day and ask a million things (laughs) that just as a reader fan would want to ask you because you're just so great your books are Everything that you would want and more as a reader, full escapism, fun, on your toes, 
just great characters. Um, so I just hope they you just keep churning them out, Ruth. I know that that's a lot to ask, but you have a I'll big do fan, my best. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like we said before, Marple is out now, um, and it would make a great gift for people. And the It Girl is out now, um, which everyone should put on their gift list. And where can we follow you on Instagram? Uh, I'm on all social media platforms as at Ruth Ware Writer, um, at Instagram included. And I love to chat to people. So come find me, come say hello. And um, yeah, don't be shy. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much again, Ruth. This has been such a delight. And I can't wait to see what comes next. Oh, thank you, Courtney. It's been such a pleasure to be on. Thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning in.